0: You're listening to the Known Legacy Podcast, brought to you by Known Legacy Ministries. For more info, go to www.knownlegacy.org or look for us on social media under Known Legacy. Now here's your hosts, Bill and Travis. You know, last week, uh, you know, we were able to have David on and you know, after <clears throat> after uh, we we were just talking, and I heard that little little tidbit of it, at the beginning of his story, and said, "Hey, let's let's get you back on here and kind of kind of hear more." And so, David, you're back with us this week. Thank you so much for for being back.
1: Glad to be back.
0: And uh, and I I would love you to share your story because you know when I when I heard it I heard it from afar. My wife shared a little bit of your story, just mm-hmm. you know you know at, at not going into too much detail, but you know, and you mentioned last week that you 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 were you, you were homeless, you were addicted mm-hmm. to drugs. Right. Could you go into more more detail of that story?
1: Yeah, I would I would be happy to. And, uh, you know, just to understand the background a little bit. So as I mentioned last week, you know, I, I grew up in a non-Christian home. And um, my parents' parents weren't Christians. Their parents weren't Christians. And, and so as far back as I could tell, it was at least three to four generations, you know, so yep. being the first believer. And so... Um, You know, when I grew up, I mean, don't remember that much about my childhood. You know, I mean, my dad did well at his company. You know, he was a vice president and things like that. But there was a lot of uh, sin that was taking place in his life and my mom's life. And when they were, you know, not together and, you know, when he was at work. And so anyway, they divorced when I was in fifth grade. Mm -hmm. So I was probably about 11 or something like that. I remember that. And, you know, that feeling of like I have to be the parent now to my dad as he's hurting and leaving the house and I don't know what's going on and, and things like that. And
0: At 11 years old. Yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, it was it was rough, you know, and I just feel like saying this, that, you know, we make it in America like divorce is not a big deal, but it's, it's hard. It's yeah. hard for kids. Yeah, it's you know? tough,
0: man. I come from a divorced home, so I understand that impact.
1: Yeah, for sure. And so, you know, moving forward, it was, I mean, my my introduction to drugs is such an interesting story, so... I didn't know anything about drugs. You know, I didn't even know. I remember I was riding the uh, the bus home and I was a freshman in high school sitting next to a friend of mine. And he says to me, hey, do you ever smoke marijuana? And I looked over and I said, what's that? I didn't even know what he was talking about. I mean, that's how kind of naive I was. Yeah. And so anyway, he had a small amount of marijuana with him and long story short, he ended up, you know, spending the night at my house and we took a, a soda can and, you know, we made a little makeshift pipe and with a safety pin, you know, put like <laughs> all kinds of holes in there, made a little pipe. And so I smoked marijuana that night. And I can tell you that it, it opened up a new world to me. Mm-hmm. I didn't know how hurting and how confused and how broken I was. And when I, you know, stepped into another realm where I was high, Everything shifted for me. All that stuff that I couldn't define or didn't even know I was going through was eliminated when I got high. Mm. And I searched and pursued that experience almost to my death uh, on multiple occasions for the next 12 years every single day. And it wasn't like I, you know, at age 15, you know, I was just doing it once in a while. I was I was there. I mean, it starts marijuana, then hallucinogens, LSD and shrooms and ecstasy and that. And so that was most of my high school days. I was, uh, the further I could escape the better. And so it was not uncommon for me to take 10 hits of acid, you know, to eat shrooms before school. First thing when I'd wake up, smoke marijuana, drive to school when I'm tripping on LSD, I and mean, that's just the reality of what wow. I did. When my sister came into high school, I have a younger sister. I was, I think, a junior when she became a freshman. I remember her coming to me one day, and I, I was high on something. I don't remember what. And she asked me why people called me the acid king. <laughs> that's what, That was one of my nicknames in high school. So Wow. And so this is not at all glorifying that behavior, but that's just the reality of what I did. I was trying yeah. to take LSD. I was smoking opium. i mean smoking marijuana. I'm selling it. Because I just wanted to be high,
0: yeah. I just
1: wanted to escape on a regular basis, mm-hmm. and, and normally, that's how it starts, and and that progressed, and you know I, w- I will say that I mean there was multiple times even when in high school I didn't want to be taking drugs every day I didn't want to be yeah. high every day I wanted to be you know a good student but the pull it it had me I was hooked mm. uh, not only hooked I think in the natural but I believe spiritually I was pegged. Coming from just a, a, a line of, uh, you know, alcoholics and people with mental disorders and suicides in my family line. I was I was pegged spiritually by the enemy. Mm. And it was an, I was an easy target to eliminate from the game, basically. Mm. And wow. so um, that continued and continued into college. And I mean, it, it didn't get better. You know, surprisingly, somehow I graduated high school. I don't know how, but just barely by the skin of my teeth and got accepted into a school. And uh, it just, I was continuing using the same drugs in college. And at some point uh, in there, I began using cocaine. And that's when it really started taking off. And I think it's important to to share a little bit here that as I look back on my life, now being a Christian, yeah. I can see tangible evidence of the Lord Jesus Christ and his Holy Spirit beginning to draw me. So just to interject here. So yeah. the summer uh, before my first year in college, I was working in a factory, you know, trying to save some money for school. And and mind you, I mean, I'm, I'm doing drugs all day, getting hammered and drugs at night. So I'm somehow maintaining a job, you know, wow. I don't even remember, wow. but somehow doing that still. And so there was a, we were in a busy season. I remember it was window framing and there was a temp agency that came and they came for two days. And so the first day, uh, this gentleman, he was, he was older than me. So he would have been, you know, a father figure, Yeah, you know, and I didn't realize I was carrying so many father wounds, but you know, here I am this 18 year old kid. And when this 40 year old guy comes and sits next to me at lunch yeah. and instead of, you know, being rude and, you know, calling me names or whatever, he's, he's sharing this this amazing story about how he met his wife and he's as he's telling the story he's using the word god and the word jesus and all this and i'm just listening you know yeah. i don't even really know what he's talking about but it was a, it was it was a really neat experience and the next day we didn't talk at all cuz it was so busy he came up to me and gave me a little new testament bible and it said start reading in the book of psalms I'm sorry, start reading in the book of John and read one proverb every day and ask the Lord what his will is for your life, and he will re- reveal it. God bless. Wow. and then he wrote his name. And so I think it's interesting to say that that was the first time I saw a Bible.
0: remember wow. holding a Bible. And how old were you?
1: I was 18. 18. Yeah, so I was 18 years old. Wow. I mean, just grew up in, in the north part of the United States and wasn't part of my family, wasn't part of my relatives, so why would I have any need? To see those, yeah. or you know, yeah, what is this thing? Run. Yeah, exactly. And so, I, I, it's interesting to notice here, and I appreciate you guys bearing with me as I share this. Because there's some, been good. Some detailed points here, just pointing out how, no matter how far down we are, the Lord is working. He's moving. He's always pursuing us. He's always the one taking the first step. And so, anyway, that Bible somehow that made it to college with me, and, and three years later. I'm actually, I'm still in college. I think I had missed one semester, but... That I'm, is
0: the grace of God in itself right there. <laughs> <You> <laughs> Seriously, like, yeah, that's crazy.
1: Yeah, it's unbelievable. And at this point, uh, I'm actually going to be studying abroad. So I'm going to be traveling overseas and, and and spend a semester in Europe. And as I'm now at this phase in my life, I'm still using a lot of the drugs. Not, uh, I wasn't hardcore into cocaine. We'll get into that. But during this time... Um, I'm packing and I'm kind of in the hippie phase. I mean, last week we talked about the horns I had for hair. At this time I had long dreadlocks. And so (laughs) I was uh, packing and I was kind of like a hippie type phase. And I remember I found that Bible that that guy gave me that, you know, three years earlier. And I had it with me. Uh, or I was packing, and I was reading in the Bible, I remember I opened in Proverbs, I started reading, it's like, wisdom, like, yeah, wisdom, man, that's awesome, yeah, I'm gonna bring this with me, you know, I was thinking that, so I, I picked, packed it in the, uh, in the uh, carry-on bag, so anyway, flying out of uh, Major Metropolitan, I think of flying out of Chicago, and I'm on the plane, and I'm actually, I won't, I don't, I won't, I won't share their name, but uh, their last name was Lois and Verlin, and they were from Switzerland, and uh, I was sitting next to them on the flight, and so, you know, it's a eight-hour flight, seven-hour flight, something like that, so I bring out this Bible, and I'm like, I'm gonna read this, so I start reading it, and Lois, who was sitting next to me, she leans over to me, and she goes, oh, you're reading the Bible, are you a born-again Christian, and I go to her, I go, what's that, and I'm here I am reading a New Testament Bible, Yeah. and so, anyway, we got talking, and I think it's really interesting and I'm going to share this. So I don't remember all the details of that flight, but through the flight she had, she probably had shared the gospel with me and had asked if I wanted to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and savior. So I'm 20 years old at this point. And I remember as I'm sitting there, what I do remember is reverberating in my mind is what do I have to lose? And so she prayed some prayer with me, you know, I don't know what we prayed, but some sort of, you know, form of the sinner's prayer as we would call it. And, uh, this is what I want to point out here to everyone that's listening. What's really interesting is it was that even though I prayed that prayer, it was at that point in my life when I really started having problems because I feel like the Lord was really starting yeah. to try to pull me in. And I started having all kinds of attacks of suicidal thoughts and just crazy stuff when I was in Europe and just all kinds of mental struggles. And, and I'm just saying all this, and I don't want to take too much time here, but it was from age... 20 until 27, when I became a Christian, that I really had a lot of problems. I mean, I i once I got back from Europe, I was so hardcore into drugs, and then I got using cocaine. I was in and out of I mean, I was in mental institutions because I was having suicide thoughts and all that. And it just I was in and out of rehab, I think, 11 times and locked up in jail. There was one time I woke up in the state mental. ward and i woke up i didn't even know where i was why i was there and the last time i had looked at myself i was clean shaven and i had a full beard at this point and i don't even know where i was i had to when i woke up i didn't even know where i was and i was locked in a mental institution apparently i had overdosed and was in a hospital and was running around ripping the cords out saying i was going to kill myself and apparently they put me in a mental institution wow and that's kind of the backstory.
0: <laughs> wow. Yeah, that's inc- that's amazing. I mean just because, again, I'm s- I'm seeing your face now. I, it's hard to picture you with dreads and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, just because of the difference. But mm-hmm. but I mean, you were so so fraught with with wounds from from. I'm not just. Blaming your dad, but yeah, no, we all get these father wounds. I mean, I think the enemy's very smart about wounding us in the father way. So that when we cry out to God the Father, that's right. the first thing that pops up is this picture of our dad. Instinctively, at least to myself mm-hmm. and those that I've talked to have said, yeah, that's kind of. You hear God the Father, and the first person that comes to your mind is whoever your father was, and so mm-hmm. he does a really good job trying to destroy that that kind of viewpoint of who our godly father is, you know, so uh, who who our, our heavenly father is, and so that's right. Okay, so now you're here, you're you know you're in your 20s. This was Europe, right? You mm-hmm. were, um, so so help us out. Okay, so yeah, continue because this. Yeah. So I'm definitely intrigued. Like, what is the next step in the story? So. Yeah.
1: So basically the the next seven years of my life uh, was just carnage. I mean, okay. I dropped out of college and then just continued. I mean, I was in and out of rehabs and I was in and out of programs and t- I mean, and doctors had diagnosed me all kinds of different, whatever kind of disorders you can have. I, you name it. I was taking a plethora of medications mm. and when I wasn't using illegal drugs, I was so doped up on whatever other pharmaceuticals they were giving me. And I'm not Disparaging that if you're needing some sort of prescription, yeah, just so I don't you know, that in your yeah. Voice, yeah. And so I was just so doped up and just a complete disaster, filled with fear, anxiety, mm-hmm. paranoia, anger, confusion, lust. I mean, you just you name it. I was just pegged. And so, as I was moving forward, I want to share this experience. So, <clears throat> I was probably 25 when this happened. And it's hard to get into the details and the time we have, but I was on a huge cocaine binge, so I probably hadn't eaten in a few weeks. I was just using cocaine, and wow. somehow during that time, I can't remember all the details, there was some chemicals I bought on the internet that would mimic illegal drugs I couldn't get, and they had changed chemical properties. Anyway, what am I thinking? I'm a chemist, I guess. So I bought a bunch of that stuff, and, <laughs> and when it came in the mail... I remember I had ran out of cocaine and anyway, the instructions were, you know, mix one of these powdered packets in a 20 ounce bottle and drink a cap full. Well, you know, if that's good, I might as well mix four packets in and drink the whole bottle, which I did. Wow! And so I drank that bottle and as I went to was someone's house that was not on drugs that I had met and he, I went to his house and said, Hey man, I'm here. You know, I've been on this big drug binge and I've got nowhere to stay. Do you mind if I sleep here tonight? And he says well, let me talk to my wife and I say hey before you do I just want you to know I just took a whole bunch of drugs I don't know what they were and I don't know what they're gonna do (laughs) so as he tells me the story he was talking to his wife, and while he's talking to his wife, I hear a crash. I come out, obviously. I've had fallen over. I'm flopping on the ground. I'm foaming at the mouth. I'm basically ODing. Wow. He throws me in his car. He drives me to the local emergency room. They pull me in. I mean, I'm not remember You don't know any of this. He's telling you this account. Yes, okay. exactly. And so here's what I do remember. About the time that he is outside of the emergency room, because I'm in the ER, yeah. and he, the doctors are telling him, listen. We don't know what this man took. We don't know what we can give him to help him. This man is going to die within the next 30 minutes, most likely. That's what they're telling wow. him. Wow. While I'm in the emergency room, I cannot use human words to describe what happened at this point. Uh, but I guess you could, you could classify it as some near-death experience. But however, I knew the presence of the Lord filled that room and restored my body. And I was just, it was almost as though I was going to explode in a burst of love I had never experienced, but I wanted that to happen. And so I don't know how long it was taking out. Like Paul writes, I don't know if I was in my body or if I was out of my body, but it was tangible. It was like liquid love. And I experienced Liquid love. I like that. That's cool. Just pouring into me. and. Uh, I, was, I did not die, obviously, praise the Lord. I was wondering about that part of the story. I didn't know
0: how that went or not. It's and like so. watching the Titanic. You're like, and he doesn't die.
1: <laughs> oh, that's funny. And so I was in ICU, I think, for three weeks after that, recovering. But the whole three weeks I was in there, I was still very, uh, you know, reco- I was recovering from that toll on yeah. my body, yeah. just recounting that experience. And so it's interesting to think you would think that, you know, an experience like that would be able to set someone free from drugs, but didn't work that way. Within eight months, I was using drugs again. And this time it was. So you were you
0: were clean for a period of time. Like I think like, about I'm six gone, months. I'm done. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so I, I didn't know what to do with it. I think I was trying to live on that experience. And as I look back, when I started using drugs again, because that was the last run of drugs after that. So I was using again. I didn't know it at the time. But I was trying to get to a pl- a place where that happened again, so I could experience I kind that of love, love again. Mm-hmm. Wow. So I could feel that love again. And so as I was going through, I was just a complete disaster. And long story short, I end up in rehab for the eleventh time. And I'm you know at this point I'm going to twelve step meetings and stuff like that. And there was a gentleman there that approached me and he said, "Hey, do you believe that God exists?" And I said, "Listen, I know God exists based on that experience I had yeah, in the bridge yeah, room yeah. kind of thing." He said, what about Jesus? And all of a sudden inside me, this anger started to rise up. Don't tell me about this, Jesus. Don't tell me about this, Jesus. Wow. And so anyway, it's hard to give it with all the details. But at that time, he gave me some sort of, I don't know, some sort of track or something like that that, you know, talked about the gospel. And I remember where I was. I was alone by myself in this rehab one day. And I pulled that out. I read it. And I remember some sort of prayer again. And I remember at the end, the author of that had said, now if you said this with a sincere heart, and I remember I put the, I was laying on the bed, I put it on my chest, and I said, Jesus, I don't know if my heart is sincere, but if you are who you say you are, can you make me sincere? That's That was my prayer. Next morning, I mean, it wasn't like... The windows flew open an angel yeah. flew in. I just, yeah. I, I said that. And I didn't know that I would define it at this time, but I was humbling myself under the Lord. Mm. I was humbling myself. That's I can't cool. do this anymore. Can you change me? And the next morning, I remember I woke up and over the years, I'd probably been to a Bible study or two or church or something, you know, and I remember I prayed. I said, God, want to be a good man today and don't want to use drugs in Jesus name. And that's what I prayed. And I went like that for probably about three weeks. And then I would say um, I got out of that rehab, got into transitional housing. And I went to a church like one or two Sundays in a row in that area. And I can tell you, I didn't have a vehicle at this point. I was working in a retail store, staying in transitional housing. I'm walking through this parking lot because I didn't have a car to go to work that morning. And it hits me. You know, in Romans chapter 8, I think it's verse 15 and 16, it says, Now, we know we are the children of God, right? Because God doesn't give us a spirit of fear again to bondage, but he gives us his spirit whereby we cry, Abba, Father. Mm. And I experienced that in that moment. It all hits me. Jesus Christ is the Lord. Doctors didn't save me. Medication couldn't save me. This couldn't save me. Humans couldn't save me. You're the Lord. I mean, I was weeping. I said, from this day forth, I will serve you. So I was about... Like I said, about eleven years ago.
0: Wow, yeah. that's incredible, and and you know and so, thank you for sharing that. Yeah, you it bet. was not too long; it was perfect because okay. it just, just, just i that, that idea of addiction, you know, and 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 we walk by people all the time. We 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 forget that everyone has a valuable story to share. That's right. Um, but the the other part I love about it is we're able to celebrate with you your daughter's first birthday. That's right. And for me, I get I get kind of emotional thinking about the fact that. Man, God redeemed that, mm-hmm. and so, so I, I mean, so okay. So if you want to go, go, go into some detail, because because you cause, cause you, are, you are married now. That's correct. How how long have you been married? Uh, eight years. Eight years. Wow. Mm-hmm. So th- it wasn't too far after that. Mm-hmm. That's correct. God changed you. So so what happened right after that? Did you did you go to college? Did you go to Bible college? Did you so get yeah. involved in a church?
1: Yeah. So I I knew that I needed to start getting around other people uh, that were Christians, and I mean I wouldn't have said it like I'm saying it right now, but I started Correct, going to yeah. that church, and I started, Here, this is important, I started committing myself to the Word of God. I didn't understand pretty much everything I was reading, but I started reading the Bible. Just made it, I'm going to start reading, I'm going to start thinking about this. What is this life so, about? Break, break that in a little bit. Yeah, so, so when you
0: said committed, because some people look at that and go, okay, does that mean I need to read a chapter? Does that mean I need to to you know, pick up a devotional? What is that, What did that look like for you? Uh,
1: for me, at that time, it was... I've been wanting to be out of this lifestyle pretty much since I started in it. Mm. I did not have a way out. You provided a way out. And mm-hmm. I know that these people that teach these Christian things get it from this book. Yeah. So my heart is committed to this book because this is the only truth. This is the only reality that ever was able to make a difference and no one can take that away from me. Love so, it. Yeah. So I started, I started devouring it reading, thinking, that kind of stuff. Yeah. That's cool. Mm-hmm. So you so
0: you you're doing that. What yeah. happened after that? So yeah,
1: so you you would like to hear You that won the lottery. It, no, I'm just right. kidding. I'm that's just kidding. Right. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so you know you would like it to be easy, but what's interesting is if anyone's ever been in a dark room and you turn on a light and there's cockroaches or something doesn't doesn't want to get seen, where do they go? They scurry. They, they just go hide to the dark, right? Yeah. So it's an interesting concept, but as I started spending time in the word I'm spending time in the truth, and the truth is penetrating my soul, right? And all the dark things that used that caused all that behavior, all the wounds, all the hurts, all the things I did, all that, it started coming to the surface. Mm. And now was a time to work through that and not bury it. So I started a process of forgiving people, forgiving myself, repenting for things I had done, changing the way I think about life, mm. changing the way yeah. I think about people. And it was, I mean... We're spanning, you know, in the next five minutes, a seven-year process, a yeah, eight-year yeah. process. But basically, I started growing. I started submitting to people in my life and, and learning and, and realizing I didn't have the answers and that I needed help. And I started, really, I started a process of healing. Yeah. You know, I feel like the first three or four years of my Christian walk were just getting to a place of stability. Yeah. Where I could, like, yeah. sleep normally at night. I could think clear thoughts on a regular basis. And I wasn't running around like a maniac, but I felt like those first few years... I lived a lifestyle that was so intense and I was plowing drugs into my body for so many years mm. living just a, a heinous, crazy lifestyle with crazy people. I needed to be healed. I was broken, you know, <laughs> I was hurting and yeah. really the process of healing, Jesus coming into my life was just the beginning mm. of that process. And now I really had to walk through some stuff. I had to forgive, Yeah, you know, I had to, I had to, all those memories and all the wounds. I mean, for all those years I was using drugs, I could never cry. I never was able to cry. Wow. I just couldn't. But as God started working in my life and bringing his love and his healing, the, the balm of Gilead over my soul, I began to release some of that, all those burdens I was carrying, Mm. all that hurt began to come out in tears. And I was just experiencing the Lord's grace as I walked through that process as I walked through that. So it was during that time as I began to get to a level of stability where the Lord then called me to attend Bible school, you know, and I went to Bible school and here I am, I'm thinking I'm called to go to Bible school and, you know, I'm supposed to be a, you know, pastor, or, you know, you're, I'm thinking yeah, yeah, those yeah, types yeah. Of thoughts, not sure what that all means. And as I go and while I'm there, that's when the Lord begins steering me towards a, a focus of business, you know, and connecting in that and helping people in those areas. And so, you know, to, to sum that up, that's kind of how that process took place. But it took healing. It took a lot of healing in the beginning. You know, to I was like in a meat grinder for the first three years, a spiritual meat grinder, just bringing up all the junk that needed yeah. to be, you know, dealt with and forgiven. And, I mean, memories of things I'd said and things I'd done and things people did to me and all that stuff. So it was a long process. And I'm, and, and to say, I'm still on that journey. Yeah. But I'm way further along than I was when I first became a Christian.
0: That's cool. Yeah. Man, I, you know, and I uh, I I love hearing that now though, so so you you got there and then when did you meet your, your uh soon to be wife or, you know, future wife at that yeah. point.
1: Well it's a, it's actually a fun story, and if I can take just a minute Oh, you're um, good. So everyone's familiar with the book of Genesis. Well I shouldn't say everyone, but I'm sure most people have heard of the book of Genesis. Mm-hmm. And so in the beginning uh of the book of Genesis in Chapter 2, verse 22, it says, God took the rib from Adam, right? And he made it into a woman. And this is what the Holy Spirit highlighted to me. And he brought her to the man. Mm. So I said, I remember where I was sitting in Wisconsin at that time. And I said, Lord, if you can bring Adam's wife right to him, I believe you can bring my wife right to me. I don't think Adam had to guess. And so I don't think I'm going to have to guess. I I didn't know it, but I was putting my faith in that verse because God was highlighting it to me. And it was, it was through that time. Then not long after that, my wife ended up at the church. And then it was so interesting because my wife's very pretty. And so there was a lot of other single guys at that church and they're all kind of, you know, oh, yeah. going after her and yeah. searching. And I'm, I'm hanging back because I had direction from the Lord, you know, I felt like Lord, I think she's really pretty, but if, if she's not mine, I'm not, I don't, I'm not going to pursue her. And it doesn't mean I don't do anything or anything. Yeah. Like that, yeah, just, not here, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So during that time and, So anyway, we started, we were together in some different groups and we started talking and then anyway, we connected and I remember having the conversation with her about how I wanted to get to know her and, and all that. And I wanted to read the word with her and this stuff was coming up to me. And I told her, I said, I don't know what to do with it. And I remember she said to me, she goes, it's reciprocated. And I was like, what does that mean? Is that that good? Is that good? Is Is that that good?
0: good? (laughs) What does this mean? Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: So, but anyway, not too long after that, um, I mean, we were married six months Later from that point.
0: Wow. Yeah, hey, I mean, when you know, you know. Yeah, that's exactly when I when right. I met Sarah, uh, I had I call it my uh, dream weaver moment. Where else <laughs> was like, ah, like yeah. there she was, and and so we didn't date for years, but I just knew you mm-hmm. just know, and so
1: it was a knowing, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> and then you fast forward now, and now you've got a a, a one-year-old, beautiful one-year-old. Yes. Well, almost one year old, beautiful one year old, almost 16 months, months sixteen mm-hmm. months, which is awesome. And I, and I guess that's why I bring this up, the idea that that we you know we've all got this stuff, we've all got you know uh th- things that, that that have tripped us up that have stopped us mm-hmm. you know w- what is some encouragement you would say to the guy who's struggling with something some kind of addiction it may not be as as quote-unquote hardy as as a cocaine addiction mm-hmm. but it's something and it's something that stops them from experiencing who, who christ is to the fullness of of what he has for them what would you encourage them to do in the midst of their addiction
1: yeah i think uh the enemy works in darkness, and so someone you trust, another man, mm. sharing your struggle, okay? Transparency and bringing things to the light is going to be a major first step. That That's important. That's key, uh, and coupled with that, it's going to be vitally important to get and stay connected with that person or those people and find the answers through the word of God, in mm. the word of God. You know, the Bible says that the word of God is sharper than any two-edged sword, right? Piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. And so the word of God is is crucial. There's, yeah. n- there's no true healing to our soul apart from the word of God. And so connection Love with it. people and the word of God is, I, you know... That's what I would say.
0: You know, our first filter with known legacy is, is God's word true. Because mm-hmm. uh, the thing that, that that tripped me up for so long was I would read a verse mm-hmm. and I would go, that's good for somebody else. <laughs> and I was like, and God's like, no, that's not, that's, that's dumb, Bill, because he can say it's stupid to me. It's okay. I, yeah, I hear him, and, and but he's like, he's like, if if it's true, then it's true. That's right. And so, so if you're sitting out there struggling with 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 an addiction, with something mm-hmm. in in your life that keeps tripping you up. In fact, if you're in the midst of a battle, and this is something I noticed before. Mm-hmm. Is that I remember that when I first became a believer, after that point, I got a, I got addicted to pornography and alcohol. Mm-hmm. Like it was after that moment. Yeah. And for so long, I believed that I wasn't a believer. Mm-hmm. But but the enemy does doesn't have to fear us if we're if we're not a follower of Christ mm-hmm. like he's just going to get us you know once once we come to know him it's even the battle gets stronger just like you said i thought that was interesting that as yeah. you started to pursue him it's like okay i'm going to throw some more stuff at you it's going to be even worse
1: that's right
0: um and i th- i think that that if you're out there struggling in the battle know that there's a reason why you're struggling mm-hmm. the enemy doesn't just pick some random person and go ah you're just you're not even a believer i have no value in you yeah. he only attacks the ones worth worth attacking quite honestly mm-hmm. so take comfort if that's the word in yeah. in being attacked to know that there's other guys in the battle who, who see that you're you're trying to pursue what God has for you, but in the midst of this, you've got to, yeah, confess it to others. Yeah. Another thing, that, another thing that, I, that, that you said that I thought was really good was let the journey take its time. Like mm-hmm. let it do what it needs to. Yeah. So stop looking at anybody else around you and go, well, they're here and I'm not. Mm-hmm. Uh, allow yourself to to let God peel back those layers. That's right you know of where you are so that you can become who he wants you to become. Mm-hmm. He's only he's created you on purpose for a purpose. That's right. You know, Psalm 139 we talk about all the time that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. The yeah. way that he made he made you David is different than how he made me. The, made, the way that he made you guys out there is different than how how he made he made us and that's mm-hmm. on purpose. That's right. Because he has a bigger plan that we don't we don't see.
1: Hey Amen. That's really good.
0: So, uh thank you, man. Thanks yeah. for sharing this. You do you have any Happy final thoughts it. or or uh
1: you know, just Appreciate the time, the opportunity to share and and just an encouragement, you know, keep pressing, keep moving forward, keep pressing in because there's there's always hope. Yeah. In in him, there is always hope.
0: You know, and you've changed everything. Your great grandkids will never understand the taste of where you've been from. That's right. And that is is the hope we want for you guys, too, is is that you would move forward knowing that you're not just doing this for you but for your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, for all those who come after you, you get to be the Abraham in your family Amen. to change your legacy. That's so, right. Thanks for your time again, David. You bet. Happy love to it. do it. You guys have a great day. Uh, if you have questions or comments, concerns, check us out, info at knownlegacy.org uh, to send us an email or check us out on social media. Known Legacy and Known Legacy Ministries on Facebook. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, share this with your friends. Thanks for, thanks for listening. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to By Dads For Dads on the Known Legacy podcast. Look for us on social media under Known Legacy or go to www.knownlegacy.org to stay connected. For booking or questions, email us at info at knownlegacy.org.